You can be seated. Who cannot believe it's the last day of April? Who's ready for May? We've been to Brazil this month. We've been to Indiana. I am just returning from Virginia with Randy Clark. Their national Voice of the Prophets conference was this week just a powerful, powerful time. Ran back home this morning to graduate our School of Ministry students and got in a car and just barely made it here. So let's give Jesus a, a round of applause. A lot of people tell my wife and I, I don't, I don't know how you do it. And the truth is God's grace is sufficient, amen. Got a word for us tonight that's really stirring in me and I, I wanna jump right into that. But before I do, if the media team has that video ready, some of you might have heard we are bringing our fall ultra global conference right here to Dawsonville. And we're so grateful for Pastor Todd and Karen to host. And we've just got a short video to let you know what's coming in September. room and shake us and awake us from complacency. And I'm telling you that there is a remnant in America that is beginning to rise up. If you couldn't find anything else, God became my redeemer. God became my savior. God became my source. I baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the winnowing fan is in his hand. Pray. Get your people to pray. And I will mean heaven and earth on your behalf, giving glory in this house. So the registration is filling up really quickly. Folks from all over the nation, the world are coming. If you want to scan the QR code, we want to make sure that everyone here that wants to come and wants to be a part can jump in before it fills up. We'd love to have you there. And as always, some of our team drove over from Charlotte. We do have a booth in the lobby. I wrote a book called Houses of Glory, prophetic strategies for entering into a new era. Are there any pastors in the house visiting? Any pastors? Okay, could you come? I want to give you this book. Come on down. Can we give this gentleman a round of applause? in the, maybe it's, I don't know if I'd call that green or turquoise. Are you here by yourself tonight? Are you married? Okay. Why don't you come down, just you. Let's stretch our hands out toward this brother. 
I just want to bless what God is doing in your life. You can just stand there. Father, thank you for the zeal that's upon our brother that's going to consume him in this coming season. Lord, I just break the power of religion off of his life. We thank you that you've called him to be a chain breaker. And I see God blessing you into a new season of deeper fire, deeper um, realm of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be some things that are going to be uncomfortable, but the Lord says just hang in there. I'm going to teach you by my Spirit. And I hear the Lord saying you're a friend of the Holy Spirit, a friend of the Holy Spirit, and I just see you going deeper in the river of God And the Lord is going to even work on your mind. You're a brilliant, intelligent guy. But the Lord even says that I'm going to teach you how to love me with all your mind and all your heart. The Lord says in the days ahead, you're going to help skeptics. You're going to help critics of revival. And even those who aren't even sure about prophecy, you're going to help to teach them and instruct them that it's all real. Lord, bless our brother in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, you. On the end here in the black. Okay, I'll come to you. Here we go. Stretch, stretch your hands out. Father, thank you that the best is yet to come. But we just speak that your banner over this house is love. Thank you that your mercy is unending, that your goodness is new every morning. God, we just speak to the need tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you knew it even before I called on her. Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen her inner man. God says, I'm strengthening your inner man according to the power that's at work within you. Lord says, you're more powerful than you realize. The resolve in your heart is stronger than you realize. And so, Lord, we thank you that the days ahead will not be full of trouble. They'll be full of hope. In Jesus' name, if you have a prayer language, let's pray in the Holy Spirit a little bit. I just want to activate us tonight in the supernatural. I know that you guys have a lot of word ministry here, a lot of great preachers. Lord, we stir ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit always. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your voice in the assembly. Thank you that you didn't write a book and lose your voice. David, I've got something for you, brother. (laughs) I just released divine order over you tonight. Divine order in your house, divine order in your home, divine order in this body, and divine order in the house God's called you to build. We just command everything that's out of alignment to come into alignment with the word of God. We just say that there'll be a full release upon the anointing that you're stepping into for a new season. Thank you for new armor. 
Lord says, I'm even just freeing you from worrying about people who are committed to misunderstand you. I'm freeing you from worrying about people that are committed to misunderstand you. Crossing over, crossing over, crossing over. You're crossing over. Just hear little whispers, little backbiters, little gossipers. You're not that man anymore. You're not even that minister anymore. You're a new creation in Jesus. There's fresh grace on you that some people are just committed to misunderstanding questioning everything you do and that you say. And in the name of Jesus, we break that satanic power of witchcraft over you. Every whispering lie, every spirit of witchcraft be broken off of you right now in Jesus' name. feel like I came to bowl tonight. Can you stand? You're going to need to stand in this season. Let's stretch our hands out toward our brother. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can withstand the enemy in that evil day. Lord says that there's been growth, there's been acceleration. The Lord says you've put a smile on many people's faces, but the Lord says, son, know that there's a smile on my face concerning you. I want to remind you of the word that says that Jesus not only had favor with God, but he had favor with man. And the Lord says you've had favor with man. You've been a blessing to man, but the Lord wants you to know you're a blessing to me, son. I'm not out to nitpick you. I even just break, there's a spirit of condemnation that's resting on you. And we just break that spirit off of your life, that spirit of condemnation, almost this navel gazing, looking for something that's not there. You have a very sensitive conscience, and the Lord loves that about you. But the Lord says, don't allow the spirit of religion to cause you to look for something that's not there. I see you walking in a strong Abba revelation. I see God actually giving you the ministry of the Father's heart. And you're going to really help people break free of religious works trying to strive and fast and pray and worship, trying to get God to love them. And you're going to really bring a strong message of God already loves you. You don't have to strive. You don't have to earn. Just receive. It's going to be a tough message for a lot of people because they'd rather earn it. They'd rather work for it. And I also see you irritating some religious people by just this message the Lord's called you to live in rest. The Lord's called you to live in rest and to flow from rest. In Jesus' name, we bless you tonight.
have a very uh, strong message in the word tonight. So we need to hand out some lollipops and cotton candy before the vegetables come. I'm just kidding. Not really. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Well, we pray that you would open up the scriptures to us. Thank you that your word is truth. We ask that you would sanctify us by your word. Lord, I pray in the midst of a national crisis that you would raise up people out of this house that would become voices of truth. Lord, raise up people in this room that would visit. Let them get injected with DNA from heaven. I kept getting this picture during worship of like a tire that had seven nails in it. Lord is saying to someone or something, you can't keep going. You're actually going to have to come into the shop and get a new tire. I just speak over something or someone that plugging the holes isn't going to work for the new season. You're actually going to have to come into the shop and get a whole new tire. And so, Lord, I just pray over anyone tonight that's just weary and tired and plugging holes and like a tire would have nails in them, Lord, and just keep going. Lord, we just thank you that in the coming season, a spare won't even do. Thank you for new things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message tonight is called The Battle for Truth. I'm carrying an incredible burden right now for the nation concerning where I believe we're really at and how God is rallying men and women of the faith to respond in an hour of crisis. I believe that the moral fabric of America is unraveling because the moral fabric of the church is unraveling. I believe that in our lust for cultural relevance, we are actually losing cultural relevance. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. We need more salty people. We need more spicy people. We need more bold, confrontational. We need men and women of conviction. We need people that sing a little bit too high, one octave too high for the religious. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? Again, in our need to become less salty. In other words, whenever the goal is to water down the gospel, you're going to strip it of Holy Ghost power. Whenever we water down the truth, in order to be culturally relevant, we're going to actually lose our relevance. And if ever there was a need in this hour for saltiness and voices of truth, I believe it's now. I recently read an article that came out. I shared it with our school this morning at the graduation. And I want to share it again because it's applicable to the message tonight. This is from the ChristianHeadlines.com. 
the percentage of Americans who hold a biblical worldview fell to 4% during the pandemic, while the percentage of self-identified Christians who hold such a worldview also plummeted. The survey by researcher George Barna at Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University found that the fallout from the pandemic apparently altered the worldview of Christians including people of faith or Americans, people of faith. While 6% of Americans prior to the pandemic held a biblical worldview, only 4% do today. The research center labeled it a seemingly small but noteworthy drop. It appears that as people's lives were substantially altered by the virus and government policies, Americans were not spending the extra time devoting energy to spiritual matters. When you put this data in perspective, the biblical worldview is shuffling toward the edge of a cliff, Barna said. As things today stand, biblical theism is much closer to extinction in America than it is to influencing the soul of the nation. As things stand today, biblical theism is much closer to extinction in America than it is to influencing the soul of the nation. The current statistics concerning worldview are the lowest since I began measuring in the early 1990s. How many of you are familiar with George Barna? This is the leading, most trustworthy statistician concerning where Christianity is really at in America. And he's currently telling us that the percentage of Christians who hold a worldview is the lowest It's been since he started taking statistics in the early 1990s. Worse than that, only 1% of young adults ages 18 to 29 hold a biblical worldview. Young people in particular are largely isolated from biblical thought in our society and are the most aggressive at rejecting biblical principles. Facilitating a return to biblical thinking and living in America will take an intentional, strategic, and consistent effort by the remaining population. A biblical worldview. A worldview is framework of thought that helps us to determine reality. So as Christians, born-again believers, what it means to have a biblical worldview is that we allow the framework of the Word of God to determine our worldview. 4% of Americans, 4% use the Word of God as their framework for reality.
We're in a crisis. Can you hear the alarm going off in this nation? Danger, danger, deception, deception, delusion, delusion, danger, danger. This is a sober, this is a sound the alarm, this is a wake up, this is a we don't have as much time as you think we do. Paul told Timothy in chapter 3, verse 15, the church is the household of God. It is the pillar of truth. The title of the message tonight is called The Battle for Truth. And I'm here by the Spirit of God reminding this house and those of you watching online and visiting that the church of Jesus Christ has a responsibility in culture to be a pillar of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many of us know Jesus is not a salt and pepper shaker that adds flavor to our life? Why? He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus is not an item on a buffet where you can have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of immorality and a little bit of the American dream. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So we need bold, confrontational men and women who are willing to preach the message of repentance and pledge their head to heaven. I was sharing some of these statistics at a recent conference, and there was a pastor that came down front weeping and said, Jeremiah, I know it might have felt awkward for you sharing because you have such a passion and a burden for the Lord, but it seems like people in the congregation are out of touch with what's happening in culture. This pastor said, I'm part of a denomination in a certain state. There's 200 churches representing a little under a million people or so. And we recently had the opportunity to vote concerning a biblical worldview. And up on the docket was homosexual marriage. Does our church want to believe that marriage is between one man or one woman, or do we want to deny the authority of the Word of God and just vote with culture? Also up on the docket was denying the divinity of Christ, challenging whether he was really born of the Virgin Mary, fully man, fully divine. And the pastor said to me, tears, do you know that? 197 out of the 200 voted for homosexual marriage. 
197 of the 200. They said, pray for us. We're part of the three. See, whether you know it or not, folks, we represent the minority in America. But I've come to bring you good news tonight. God's only ever worked with a minority. We have to begin to center our meetings around the word of God. We have to get serious about discipleship. We have to get parents burdened by what's happening in culture. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I, I'm not going to allow my children to become indoctrinated by an anti-Christ agenda and then blame the church for what they're not doing. We're actually going to move into an hour in America where it's going to become our personal responsibility to disciple our children. And if you're a grandparent in here, I just want to ban retirement. And I want to welcome you into refirement because there's some young ones that need some Holy Ghost fire. They need the Word of God. They need a spanking. We are living in a culture, and folks, it's, it's crazy to think that you can just switch the word culture and church. 50% of people in the world are divorced. 50% of people in the church are divorced. I'm reading recent statistics. 65% of men in the church watch pornography monthly. And it's amazing when we start preaching truth, it gets awkward and people act like it doesn't apply to them. That's called a religious spirit. That's having a form of godliness but denying his power. And what God is drawing many of us into in this hour, it's a tension. It's a wrestle. It's going to cost you. Maybe somebody in here, you've got great plans for the call on your life and you're going to have to lay it down so that you can make sure your own children are discipled in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It might not be worth going out on the streets every night saving the lost when your kids are wondering where's dad. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people that I meet, quote, doing a ministry that somehow doesn't involve their marriage. They're doing a ministry that doesn't involve their kids. And I believe God is drawing our attention in this hour back to the crisis at hand. And there is a crisis concerning biblical worldview and the call for discipleship. And God is going to raise up community of believers that marry the word and the spirit. 
okay? You don't, you're not gonna have to choose between uh, deliverance and counseling. We're gonna have them both. You're not going to have to choose between Bible study and prophecy. We're going to have the whole package. And so God is drawing a generation into founding their life, their marriage, their family on the word of God. And when we live our lives according to the word of God, he can't help but bless it with his Holy Spirit. It's the pillar of truth. Paul told Timothy in chapter 4, verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do, you will save not only yourself, but those who hear you. John 8, 32, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I see Josiahs emerging in Gen Z. I see men and women rising like King Josiah who are going to recover the word of God. They are not going to fear man. They are going to fear God. I'm prophesying to you, you are going to see an increase of people stepping out in Starbucks, in movie theaters, in malls. You are going to hear the word of God preached from microphones. You're going to hear the word of God preached without microphones. The word of God is about to be amplified in culture. And before you get religious and call those people radical, know in your heart that God is looking for an end time army and he wants you in it. We need your voice in your sphere. I'm going to say something controversial. I don't believe we, I don't believe, let me make sure I say this the best I can, even though it will probably offend you no matter how I say it. America is not going to be saved by planting more churches. America is not going to be saved by more people drooling over a microphone on Sunday. America is going to be saved when men and women in their sphere of influence begin to disciple people in their sphere and the word of God begins to take root in the doctor's office. It begins to take root at the elementary school. It begins, let's just start at home. It begins to take root in your marriage, in your family. Folks, this is a holy hour of sobriety and responsibility. I want to just encourage you, stop whining and moaning and complaining online about how bad the world is getting when you're not doing anything about it. I just wish we'd spend so much less time being religious and accusing and criticizing culture and we need a church to stop pointing our fingers at the world and we need to look internally. 
preaching all these, the harvest is coming. We're not ready. I'm sorry, I'm that prophetic voice. We're not ready. What, are we gonna bring the harvest into our churches and we're dysfunctional and we don't love our spouse and our kids hate God because apparently ministry's more important than them? And we're somehow gonna just supernaturally love the unlovable when we can't even love one another? So much division, so much gossip, so much slander, so much backbiting. We're deeply fractured, we're deeply broken. We're in need of a savior. What if before God comes and saves America, he's gonna have to save the church again? Jesus never sacrificed truth for the sake of popularity. How many of you know that the gospel is not about winning friends and influencing people? All right, three of you. The church was never meant to become a subculture for the world. The, the goal is not to make this feel like a club where sinners feel safe in their wickedness and sin, and then we give a with your head bowed and eyed closed prayer every Sunday because they just didn't sin with their head bowed and eyes closed. We, we allow people to radically live in darkness, and then we bring them into the house of God and domesticate them with religion, and all of a sudden, many of us, we serve the devil way better than we've ever served God. I believe Jesus and the devil are Asking the American church the same exact question. I believe Jesus and the devil are asking the American church the same exact question. How much will it take for you to sell the truth? How much will it take for you to sell the truth? What's your price? Is it fame? Is it influence? Is the goal to have the most campuses and the most services and the most money? Is that really the goal of church planning and ministry? How many butts do you have in seats? How much could we look like Babylon and still get into heaven? What if the goal wasn't to look like Babylon? What if it was to become a bride? What if we were here to please Jesus and not the world? What if we lived in the fear and admonition of the Lord rather than being drunk on mammon? And many people, they clap at these messages and then still go back to their home church of Babylon. You know how many people in America actually know the truth?
but yet they sit in a church every Sunday because they long for familiar faces more than they love the truth. They'll sneak away to the revival service because they want to hear the truth. But yet every Sunday they're sitting in the midst of deception and wondering why their fire is going out. We've become like Samson. Little Delilah comes along and allures us with her offers and we think we're stronger than we really are. You know, a lot of people think that they can sit in an environment that's spiritually not on fire and they trick themselves into believing because they're on fire, the fire won't die. And little by little, week by week, month by month, they don't even realize that they're being overtaken by the spirit of the age and demonic influence. And Samson pops up and thinks that he's going to escape the Philistines and he's done it one too many times. There's grace for people in this room and in this nation that are wrestling for where your home is supposed to be. But I feel in my heart God is saying over so many in this nation, how long will you mourn for Saul? God comes to Samuel. There's a generation of prophets and prophetic people. There's a generation of musicians and singers why aren't you playing for David? Because he can't afford to pay you. Nope. I'm going to go to the mega church and play for Saul because I'm a hireling. What was, what, what was it about David? What kind of folks did he attract? They didn't have any money. What will it cost for you to sell the truth? What are you hungry for? What do you crave? Influence, money, fame. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and do not sell it. We're living in a day and age where if you don't sell out, you will be sold out. I believe we're living in a day of where the whole fence riding thing, one foot in the world, one foot in the church is over. The only time God ever vomited in the Bible was due to lukewarmness. How does Satan begin as a snake in Eden? And he ends up as a dragon in the book of Revelation. We fed him. God's going to introduce a new kind of prophet to the body. They're not here to stroke you. They're here to provoke you. We've had way too much sugar, way too much ice cream. Stand me up and tell me about my new car and my new house and my supernatural weight loss miracle. Go ahead and just tell me all these false blessings. And now we reject the true prophetic. 
And this is an hour, folks, to cry aloud and spare not. And again, I know, I know some of us are like, yeah, brother in the church, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about at the school board meeting. I'm talking about at libraries. I'm talking about you and I infiltrating every sphere of society under the conviction of the word of God and we don't care what it costs us. We don't have to be mean about it. We don't have to be bigoted about it, but we need to learn how to speak the truth in love and get the fear of man broken off of our lives. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 16 quickly. I was here for the Pastors and Leaders Conference in October, and I preached a message called Stop Tolerating Jezebel. Did anybody hear that message? Okay, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I want to make a connection for you. I'm convinced that there is an evil spirit at work in the church that's at the center of the issue that I'm talking about. Just for review, or if you did not hear that message, you can go to our YouTube channel. It's on there. The spirit of Jezebel is a gender-neutral spirit. Just because a woman has a strong leadership gift on her life does not make her Jezebel. And I'm just going to tell you, many men that have an issue with women who are strong in leadership are home to a spirit of Jezebel. You're accusing her of being a Jezebel because it's a reflection of the spirit you're operating in. So it's a gender-neutral spirit. And if I could describe it to you, the spirit of Jezebel is a controlling. It is a manipulative. It is a seductive. It is a flattering spirit that comes and attacks men and women with conviction. I want to tell you that the spirit of Jezebel hates people who have boundaries, there's nothing that makes Jezebel more angry than when you tell it no. If God could just gather a group of people that would say, I'm not going to tolerate the spirit of Jezebel. You're not going to throw a tantrum. You're not going to threaten. You're not going to intimidate. I'm not bowing down to you. In other words, I'm not going to compromise the word of God. You can take your money with you because my responsibility as a man of God is to preach the the word in season and out of season to make disciples. My desire is not to grow a church. I've never had a meeting in almost 15 years of ministry behind the scene that said, how can we get more people to come? You know what I say? God just send people who are on assignment. Lord, just stir the hearts of people and whoever you want to be here, bring them. Because if you use entertainment to draw people, you have to use entertainment to keep them. 
If you have to use seduction and manipulation to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you're going to use the same tactic in marriage. If she's going to seduce you into a marriage, she's going to be seduced by another man and have an affair on you, sir. There's something about the spirit of Jezebel that cannot stand people of conviction. The spirit of Jezebel cannot stand people who are immovable and who are rock solid. In other words, the spirit of Jezebel is looking for people who can be sold to the highest bidder. What's your price? And if you have, I call them hooks, if you have hooks in you, that evil spirit will come and attach itself to your life and it will begin to manipulate and control and seduce you to get you to do what it wants you to do. And I'm prophesying to you, even as God raised up Daniel, he raised up three Hebrew boys. And when the call went out to worship, a false god something shook on the inside of them and they said we're not bowing down to the false gods in Babylon and oh by the way even if God doesn't save us I'm still not bowing down to your false god Folks, it says that Nebuchadnezzar's face contorted in other words he's full blown demon possessed he cranks the heat up seven times hotter. The men throwing the Hebrew boys into the fire are burned up. And Nebuchadnezzar is sitting back, content and thrilled. But all of a sudden, there's a fourth man in the fire. And I'm telling you, there's a fourth man in the fire that's raging in America. His name is Jesus. We teach people how to treat us. It's one thing to expose Jezebel, but folks, tonight I'm talking about the need to repent for tolerating it. People think, oh, I know who he's talking about. I know a manipulator. I know a controller. I know a seductress. But the Lord is saying to us, and he says it in the book of Revelation 2, repent, for you have tolerated that woman, Jezebel. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit before we get in the water tonight to break off anything in us that is bowing down to the spirit of Jezebel. If there is any hooks, if there is any open doors, maybe this is why you felt a deliverance thing in the atmosphere. You need to get freedom from the spirit of Jezebel for where the church at the end of the age is headed. And we're going to have to stand up against a demonic onslaught that's being released in culture. And I remind you, in the church. 
And when prophets start manipulating and controlling people for money, run. When people start charging for deliverance ministry, run. When people start using the word of God to manipulate and control you, run. But why are we still playing in the house of Saul? I feel a holy conviction. I I feel to declare a holy jailbreak in this room. That if you are feeling a conviction in your heart that you are attending or working for a church, you need to seriously ask the Holy Spirit, am I supposed to be here? Have I bowed down to Jezebel? Is there something in me seeking title and fame and popularity and a space and a place and a resume? Is there some unholy, impure motive? Am I just attending a church because Oh, hmm, there's some good business here. I don't even think we have time to read it, but write it down. 1 Kings 16, 29 through 31. 1 Kings 16, 29 through 31. In fact, for the sake of time, I never do this, but go look up that message. Stop tolerating Jezebel. Just look up. Jeremiah Johnson, it's on our YouTube channel because we need to move on. I wanna make a a couple of of points. So we know that there's a battle for truth in the church and the nation. I'm pointing out to you that it is the toleration of the spirit of Jezebel. That's that major work in the church today. And I wanna close with three points if you're taking notes because it's important to me that we leave here Hearing a prophetic alarm in the spirit, I'm identifying to you an evil spirit at work, but it's important to me to give you solutions. What can we do about it, right? So number one, I want to remind you, number one, the church is a culture of truth, not a culture of feelings, The church is a culture of truth, not a culture of feelings. Write down Mark 10, verses 17 through 27. In Mark 10, Jesus confronts a American. I mean a rich young ruler. Jesus in Mark 10, he meets the rich young ruler who in the young you, the rich young ruler's estimation he's done everything that he needs to do to follow Jesus and in verse 21 mark 10:21 it says and looking at him Jesus felt a love for him a scholar kenneth weist he translates it like this and Jesus having fixed his searching gaze upon him, fell in love with him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Verse 22, but at these words, his face fell. 
And he went away grieved, for he was one who had much property. If this were to happen in 2023, here's the narrative. Jesus is a hater. How could he do that? That's not love. It says, Jesus looked upon the rich young ruler with love and said, sell everything. Isn't the real issue in our culture define love? If the, if the church is a culture of truth and not a culture of feelings, here's the issue. We now define truth based off of how it makes me feel. Brother, I'm, a, I'm in love with a man, and I'm a man. Brother, I'm in love with a woman, and I'm a woman. Can't, can't you just feel it? Can't you just feel the love? Can't you just be happy for us? And what's happening in culture is when the word of God is preached in love, a generation of orphans is receiving correction as rejection. Do you know that real Bible love is more concerned with where you're going to spend eternity than offending you. Real Bible love sees the end from the beginning and is willing to speak the truth. No, we're not going to do that in my home. I love you, daughter. I love you, son. But you're not bringing those demons in here. You're not going to smoke and drink and fornicate. And here's how unloving. What's the matter with those parents? It's their child. And you're leading them to hell. You see this? We are drunk on our feelings. We are living in the most overly sensitive church culture. Everyone's offended. You're offended. I'm offended. Let me sound another alarm. Do you know that most church hurt I run into this nation is because someone was actually told the truth? You weren't hurt by the church. You were convicted of your sin. And thank God for a man or woman who is willing to preach the truth and not tolerate Jezebel. Here's what a theologian says. My feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. My feelings are echoes and responses to what my mind perceives. And sometimes, many times, my feelings are out of sync with the truth. When that happens, and it happens in some measure in every day, I try not to bend the truth to justify my imperfect feelings, but rather I plead with God, purify, 
my perceptions of your truth and transform my feelings so that they are in sync with the truth. God, give us boldness to speak the truth in love. Reach out to the agenda in love and resist it with courage. Reach out to that satanic agenda raging in culture. Reach out with compassion and love. Hey, I want to meet you where you're at, but I want to tell you according to the word of God This is sin, and I can't bless sin. Folks, I'm at the altar months ago, and a young adult couple, probably 21, 23, come down, and I'm Mr. Prophet Guy, and they're like, hey, would you pray a blessing over our relationship? And just bow their heads like this. Without even thinking, here's my first question. Are you guys sleeping together? Because if you're sleeping together, according to the word of God, I can't bless something God doesn't condone. Oh, it's quiet in here. It's, it's, it's too quiet in here. My brother, give me, we don't need a prophecy. Do you know that every nation, according to the word of God, that shed innocent blood, that gave themselves to sexual immorality and wickedness, that worshiped false idols God brought judgment on? We we don't need some prophetic supernatural, we need men and women of the word. I know that mercy triumphs over judgment, but I see where this nation is heading and there's an alarm that's going off and I cannot figure out why we as the church give so much license to darkness and yet sit by silent. And you know why it is? Is because our sin has shamed us into the place of silence. And we cannot lift our voice against Jezebel because we're in bed with her. We have no power and authority over racism because we're racist. Oh. We have no ability to confront sexual immorality and have authority over it because 65% of men are looking at porn. See how the devil has neutralized the church? You see how he's got us in a stranglehold? You see how easy it is for a drag queen to walk into a library and begin to... I don't know, you've got to have a social media account. 
But I just wonder in our culture, we're consuming wickedness and sin at such an accelerated rate that now we've become domesticated by it. Now we've become servants of it. And God is saying in an hour of crisis, come out from among them. Consecrate yourself. Separate yourself. For the day of the Lord is near. But brother, I don't want to lose friends. And I don't want to lose money. Remember, I hear you, Jezebel. It doesn't take all that. Brother, just calm down. It's all in the finished works of the cross. We can just have another beer and have another woman and just keep asking God to forgive us. There is so many doctrines of devils being preached from American pulpits. People call me all the time, Jeremiah, is there like a good church in my town? First thing, do they preach the truth? Are people offended there by the preaching? Because if they're not, don't go there. Okay. Let me, your issue is not with me. Your issue is with the word of God. You're, some people, it's like, well, well if, 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 if I go to them and, and preach the truth, they're not gonna like me. They don't not like you. They don't like God because they are God to them. Well, what, what if I get rejected? You're not their servant. You're God's servant. We're not here. Paul says to the church, have I become your enemy by saying the truth? Folks, the price is going to be dear in the hours that we're living in. These baptismal waters have been used to heal and deliver so many people. My prayer for this house has become, Lord, I pray that as people are baptized in these waters, any doctrines of demons that they've received, let them be washed out by the word. Lord, if there's any deception that has grabbed the minds and hearts of a generation, folks, we've got people that want to lay hands on the sick, but they can't keep their hands off their boyfriend or girlfriend. We're living in a generation, we want to prophesy, we, we want to lead worship. So I'll tell you one more story. I got invited to a mega church, 10,000 members. I don't know why they did it. They said, give us an evaluation prophetically. They were in revival. Five services on Sunday that lasted an hour. That's revival in America. Anyways, okay. So I sit in the balcony and I watch five services on Sunday. I'm taking notes. They hit every note. I mean, A plus in terms of excellence in the worship. I'm biblically trained, right? So I know a 15-minute three-point exegesis, eisegesis, Motivation, I get it, check. And from certain perspectives at this megachurch here in America, I'd give them a 10 out of 10. But I go in the pastor's office after service, the fifth one, and he says, hey, just 
feel free to tell me the truth. I said, I noticed on the worship team that they all look professional. I'm guessing you paid them, right? He said, yeah, we pay about four or $500 per service to the musicians. I said, well, where do you find them? He said, well, we just put ads out on the internet. I said, okay. I said, so is there any kind of interview concerning their spiritual life? Have you ever asked them, are they born again? Are you currently living in sin, watching pornography? Are you sleeping with with whoever? No, 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 no. We just evaluate them based on their skill. I said, okay, so you had five services today with a group of musicians and singers where we don't even know if they're saved or not. So my question is, Whose presence exactly did they lead us into? We have adapted a hireling culture in the church. I'm just touching on one facet of it. But folks, I would rather have a group of people who are living pure and holy and their lives founded upon the word of God, I'd rather have a church of 100 people than a church of 10,000 drowning in end-time apostasy. What are you hungry for tonight? Who are you listening to? What are you chasing after? Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. We've got to get a spirit of conviction tonight. We've got to get delivered of being so offended. We've got to get away from that didn't make me feel good. And we've got to learn how to wrestle with the word of God. How many of you are Caneo graduates? This room, every hand should be raised. She didn't ask me to do this. Folks, in an hour of crisis where we have no biblical training and biblical illiteracy as at an all-time high, why not get connected to a discipleship program that can train and teach you in the Word of God and help you to become a voice in your home, in your workplace, in your marriage? Well, brother, I don't have time for that. But isn't that amazing what you do have time for? How the man says church has to be an hour on Sunday because I have ADD, except his wife just said he plays video games five hours a day. Can I hit on kids' church for a minute? Can I just slay one more calf? Now we're going to choose a church in America based off of how awesome their kids' church is. And so many parents, their sole discernment concerning where they attend is what church is going to make my kids happy? What church is going to water down spiritual matters so that they can just keep little Johnny eating animal crackers and playing? I need a youth group that can entertain my son and daughter. 
Do you see how far we've lowered the bar and how much we've compromised? And then we get into twisted Hannah syndrome where we, like Hannah, drop our kids off at church because we don't want to disciple them. We don't want to sit at night and rather than just checking out at Netflix, we can't spend an extra 10 minutes cracking open the Word of God, getting down on our knees next to our sons and daughters bed saying how can I pray for you how can I cover you we don't have time for real spiritual matters but we've got all sorts of time for entertainment and then when they hit 18 and while out you know who we blame the church when we were the one who chose modern day Babylon for church I feel a sweet presence of repentance here. I feel the Lord has sent me here like sandpaper tonight. Will you receive it as a gift from God? Will you wrestle with me and say, my favorite revival prayer is, Lord, search me and know me and find any offensive way in me. Lord, if I've compromised the truth at all, Lord, if I've given in to lying, Lord, if I'm covering up for someone else's sin, God, convict me tonight. Lord, if I'm twisting scripture to manipulate my way, folks, any marriage where a man is shouting, submit to me, there are far deeper issues there than that. Bow your heads with me. There's going to be some fresh baptisms all right tonight. There's going to be baptisms of sobriety, baptisms of the fear of the Lord, baptisms of deep conviction. God's going to raise up voices out of this church. God, we thank you for your love tonight. Love speaks the truth. Love confronts. Lord, I pray for that pastor who's dealing with the spirit of Jezebel on their board or in their church. Lord, I pray that you would set them free tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for parents that are being manipulated and controlled by their children. Oh, I feel that. I want to go to this church. It's funner. Next. Lord, I pray for parents that we would stop bowing to the temper tantrum. That we would not allow our children to manipulate us with their actions and words. There's 30 seconds. Lord, search us and know us.
Lord, if we are manipulators, if we are controllers, we repent. God, raise up a culture of truth here. Raise up a culture of freedom in America. You're here tonight and you're sensing that call to be a voice. Not an echo, not a parrot, not a hireling. Some of you, you've been in the house of Saul and tonight is your night of holy jailbreak. Jesus came to set the captives free and he's liberating you from the wrong church connected to the wrong leader. He's gonna break the fear of man off of you tonight and give you a voice again. He's gonna deliver you from a Jezebel spirit at work against you. Some of you are in the wrong church and today is your day of freedom. Some of you here, it's time to be a voice at work. It's time to stand up for truth in your home. If you're sensing that call, I want you to stand. Thank you for your courage. Lord, this is not for people standing, but I feel this. Lord, I break the power of rebellion off of children. I don't know who is here, but I'm telling you, there is some kind of demonic spirit of rebellion at work in somebody's children. And you, you, you think you're dealing with, with some kind of little angel at seven, at 16. We speak to the spirit of rebellion, which is witchcraft. And we command you to go right now in Jesus' name. There are some folks in your 60s and 70s, your adult children are manipulating you and controlling you, and you're physically ill because of it. That spirit has wrapped itself around your life. And the only way to get free is to repent. Just lift your, your hands. Father, I pray that you would mark and raise up voices of truth in this hour. Wait on the Lord just one more minute. Raise up voices. Voices in the education system. Voices in the marketplace. Voices in the government. Voices in sales. Voices in the media. God, raise up uncompromised voices who refuse to bow to Jezebel. 
Some of you are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This would be a great night to repent to your parents for your rebellion. This would be a great night to tell your spouse on the way home, honey, I'm so sorry for manipulating and controlling you to get what I want. I repent. This is a great week to call someone manipulating you and say it's over, the game's over. I'm putting my foot down. I'm canceling your cell phone account. I'm not gonna pay for your car any longer while you live in the world. I love you too much to leave you in your sin. I see, I see some young people living in basements. It's time for holy eviction. You've gotta get them out. You've got to get them out. If they are not living according to the word of God and the house rules, I'm prophesying to you it's the season of holy eviction. You think you're loving them by housing them and real love is gonna give them the left foot. They'll thank you later for it. know my story I have a brother in prison imagine being met with this here's the scenario I'm either going to continue to enable him and bow to Jezebel or I'm going to draw the line and let him either go to the grave or be imprisoned I don't think sometimes we we realize if we really stop bowing how much it's going to cost us. But I can just testify to you by refusing to bow to manipulation and control and letting my brother pay for his sins in prison. He's found the real Jesus, all right. And he'll openly declare to you the greatest thing that ever happened to him was for his family to stop enabling him and for him to find his own faith. Lord, I pray for people in sales in here. Lord, I pray if there is any dirty money, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would release a spirit of conviction. God, I pray for anyone who's not paying their taxes, who keeps taking cash and they know it's against the law. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would bring a spirit of conviction in this room and that you would deliver us in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for anyone in sales, Lord, that's manipulating and controlling people to get deals. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would arrest them and pour out your love upon them and show them a more excellent way. He's coming for it all tonight. What else? You tell me. Lord, search me and know me. If I'm trying to force things, if I'm trying to make it happen, if I'm trying to get into doors and make something work, Lord, in Jesus' name, forgive me. those who are willing to accept this call 
I prophesy to you, you will be the most dangerous men and women in America because you cannot be bought. Oh, you'll be dangerous. You'll be hated by the religious establishment. You'll be rejected by family members operating in the spirit, but you'll be loved by your father in heaven. And he's not gonna leave you alone. He's going to connect you with other firebrands. God is raising up prophetic communities all over the earth who just love Jesus with all that they have and they refuse lukewarm Christianity. visited Jim Baker in prison. He said, Jim, how could you do that? When did you stop loving God? And you know what Jim Baker said? John Brevere, I never stopped loving God. I stopped fearing Him. Maybe us loving God is not the issue. Maybe it's us fearing Him, learning how to live to please Him. I encourage you, tonight is, you didn't plan to get baptized. You didn't plan to repent, but I believe strongly that there is a special realm of freedom and deliverance from every spirit of Jezebel for the Lord to deliver you from emotional trauma and manipulation and control and set your face on a course in 2023 like never before. In the name of Jesus.